Welcome to Light Bites, an occasional podcast from Leeds Institute for Teaching Excellence at the University of Leeds. Episodes will be hosted by members of the Light team. And we'll be showcasing the scholarship of teaching and learning from across the university. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Light Bites podcast. It's Emma Peasland here. I'm Research and Impact Officer in Light at the University of Leeds. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Gianni Liu, who is a lecturer in English for academic purposes at the university. Um, but Gianni's going to share with us some insights from her Light Fellowship, um, which was called Assessment Literacy and Student Success, and looked at how embedded academic skills provision um, influenced students' assessment literacy. But you had a different job then, Gianni. Yeah. So uh, when I was doing my Light Fellowship, I was based in the um, amazing library learning development team. Um, the team itself... Um, basically has like two, the two main strengths of um, the first one is um, supporting or developing students' academic literacies in the curriculum. And that's what my um, project was focusing on. And the other strand, I suppose, is more well known to some people at least, uh, which delivers the um, amazing skills at library service, which is like mm -hmm. a co-curricular academic skills um, service. Great. Well, it's great to have you along today. So thanks mm -hmm. very much for coming along. Thank you. Yeah, I'm very glad to be here. Hello, it's Emma here. I just wanted to pause before I continue my conversation with Gianni to uh, just clarify and explain a couple of terms that come up in the conversation um, for anyone who's listening who doesn't work at the University of Leeds. So uh, in the conversation, Jani refers to Minerva and Minerva is our VLE or virtual learning environment at the university. We also discuss or mention the Curriculum Redefined programme and that's a, a big 10 year project that's happening at the university right now, which is working to review and refresh all of the undergraduate and taught postgraduate programmes with the aim of ensuring that the curriculum prepares students to be global citizens who are ready for their kind of future employment. And then finally, we refer to discovery modules in our conversation and discovery modules are those modules which students can choose to take perhaps outside of their discipline to broaden their academic experience and enhance their employability. Back to the conversation. Well, let's get started talking about your fellowship a little bit then. So um, I wondered if you wanted to start off by telling us a little bit about your fellowship and what it was you wanted to investigate and why. Yes. Yeah, so when I was a learning advisor based in the library, um, I spent I think up to, until I was doing my lab project, I was like there for at least seven years and I spent the majority of my time um, designing, embedding and then delivering academic skills, um, workshops, lectures, seminars uh, and webinars um, during the pandemic, um, supporting students' development on topics such as like essay writing or planning for your essay, structuring, critical thinking, presentation skills, time management, all sorts of like academic literacy um, skills that would, in my head, so benefit students' preparation for assignments. However, when I was um, looking into literature and sort of like exploring the link between our work and assessment or impact on students' 
preparedness for assessment. Um, there wasn't much in the field directly looking at academic skills. I think there was loads of, sort of discussions around assessment literacy, but embedded into the context of their study. Um, so I was quite, I guess in my head, curious to find out whether our our work would have any impact on students' assessment literacy development or not? And if so, how? And how would students perceive that development be similar or different from staff's perception? Interesting. So um, would you tell us a little bit about how you went about investigating this question? That As in the methods, the, yeah. uh, the approaches I've taken. Um, mm. I think at first I was just like spending some time reading around the topic of uh, academic literacy. So I've been just plenty of research on that, but also assessment literacy and looking at how these two um, marry or, you know, the, 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 the crossover, the, um, the shared, like, um, approaches, models and theories. And then I, um, um, because my work at that time was... Um, predominantly based in the School of Languages, Cultures and Societies, and I work with lecturers and module leads and program leads um, in LCS undergraduate and postgraduate programs to, to, you know, to deliver uh, academic skills um, trainings, basically. Um, so I've uh, selected two um, undergraduate modules to investigate in more uh, details, um, one from the Department of Spanish and Latin American Studies. So it was like a you know, first year Spanish um, research skills module where I and the module lead have designed like in you know, a series of uh, scaffolding or like um, a series of workshops and online resources and formative assessment to develop student assessment literacy, you know, in, that, in a more like uh, I guess structured way. Um, and I've also selected like another uh, higher level, level three module um, where I deliver, I suppose a co-deliver co because the module has always been there and sharing his perspective as well as a marker. So I uh, co-deliver an assessment literacy workshop where students uh, work in, in groups and work with their peers to uh, um, assess uh, exemplars. Um, so I've sort of like picked up those two um, examples from my work and then I conducted um, surveys and um, focus groups uh, with students. I've also interviewed staff. To, um, so this like a mixed method approach to um, compare the perspectives, the, the stories, the, you know, the experience of students with what staff um, have perceived their experience being um, uh, through the um, you know the, the journey of their um, modules, so it's a mixed methods approach, I suppose. Yeah, great. And so, um, how many kind of participants did you have taking part in that from those two modules that you chose to work with? Yeah, so I had um, four student focus groups with nine students um, participated, and I had a, a small survey where where like eighteen students fill in in uh, the questionnaire, um, but I also had like all staff interviews. Great. So you got uh, that kind of oversight from several students in the module, in the survey, and then a little bit more of a, kind of a richer and deeper insight into their perceptions and experiences from those focus groups and the interviews from both the staff and student side. Yeah. And I think the good thing um, about the, um, having like in a, in the survey and some student focus groups um, was that 
I, when I look at the data and I realized I had quite a good even spread of student, different student uh, levels. So I had like um, um, pretty much equal amount of students from level one and level three participating in both the survey and the focus groups. Brilliant. And from both modules as well, because those modules are um, one, I think I said, from the Department of Spanish Studies. And the other one, I should have said, um, uh, is from the Department of East Asian Studies. So it's a level three Buddhism module. Great. And so you want to share a little bit about what it was that you found out from the data you collected? Um, yeah. So um, students say um, that the workshops they were part of, you know, where they uh, work with their peers and with me facilitating their discussions around analyzing the uh, student examples from previous um, years of the same module where they then um, attempt to um, mark those examples against the marking criteria, but also with the module lead to give them some feedback. So they did say that those type of workshops they found most useful to develop their um, understanding and awareness of the, um, how they're going to be assessed by the module. So or, or basically, you know, the standards, the process, the criteria of their particular assignment. And I should have said, uh, this, uh, the assignment I, I was investigating was the literature review uh, for both modules, actually. Uh, so the student found the workshops most useful to develop their assessment literacy. Um, they've also found um, examples that we uploaded in Minerva with staff's annotation uh, useful to look at to a certain degree because this, they also said that without hearing staff's feedback of how um, these different criteria is being met on the examples, it's sometimes quite difficult to get their head around. They said they would use the marking criteria after the workshop as a result, to self-evaluate their own submission or their own summative um, assessment. However, the marking criteria on their own in Minerva um, are not very useful for them to get their head around um, the standards and expectations of assessment, um, which was, in a way, different from staff's perception because there were um, staff saying that they felt like the marking criteria being available in Minerva would be good enough for students to check on the standards and expectations of this particular assignment. Um, another key finding of this project was that students were asking for more contact time on assessment support and feedback opportunities. Um, they were asking for more academic skills, um, workshops and in class discussions around assessment, around that skills development. However, staff were reporting a, a real tension between um, having to balance, you know, there's just so much content to get through in a, um, it, well, you know, even though we have 11 weeks for modules at the standard, um, for example, in semester one, um, but then, then you always have the introductory lecture and then, you know, so... 10 hours on average is not enough for them to cover all the content. So they have, so staff were reporting a real tension between uh, having to give up their con content time to uh, skills time. Yeah. So it's interesting that um, staff think that when you give the students the marking criteria, that's a kind of a clear message about what needs to be included and, and mm. what a, a great assignment should look like. 
and that students didn't necessarily find that particularly uh, kind of insightful or useful, but they did when they were at staff's annotations were added. So how would you recommend that people perhaps change to marking criteria or added to marking criteria to support students with their assessment literacy in that space? Yeah. Um, interestingly, I was at an assessment literacy workshop that Pam Brittle delivered at the uh, at SEC, at Student Education Conference. Um, and we were having a similar discussion. Um, and some ideas we came up with was, um, and again, you know, it's not just my ideas, right? Literature has already suggested many, many different approaches and people at least have been doing some great stuff. Um, so some ideas were like, um, we could, um, A, have a more consistent consistent approach with the language that we're using in the um marking criteria and it's not and I know that it's not an easy job you know it's very difficult to articulate the difference between the first critical analysis or a, a exceptional critical analysis to a good amount of critical analysis um, but students would find some examples be really beneficial so there were some suggestions of breaking some examples down and then actually insert some where the marking criteria would be this in practice may now be practical for a certain type of assessment and especially potentially making um, making it hard to actually be a standard practice across the board if you have loads of different types of assessment. I think students were generally saying um, they would find contact time the most beneficial. So I think as a starting point, instead of looking at the marking criteria and thinking about breaking some examples and inserting them into that, which could actually be more amount of work, thinking about you know, staff concern and workload in general, I would suggest um, finding at least like a 50-minute slot, you know, like a standard seminar slot to have a go at delivering some um, peer assessment workshops where students could just have a look at some extracts from um, the same assignment, preferably, you know, um, previous student submissions to the same module and to actually have a go at... Um, Peer marking, to, to, yeah, um, it's a fairly safe activity. It's been out there again, you know, in the world, in the assessment literacy world for fifteen years, um, um, and um, people's been done doing it in various different ways. At least as well, I think I would, um, if he was not thinking about exploring this option, they could always speak to either their learn, learning advisor from the learning development team, or they may have some uh, colleagues that are in that department have already done it, or they could um, um, work together with um, EAP lecturers um, from the Language Center. So I think there's various collaborative um, opportunities as well available. So yeah, just have a go. So there's lots of support out there. Yeah. 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 Um, so we've kind of... Uh, moved into starting to think about what are the kind of practical insights from your findings then. So I'm hearing perhaps from what you've just said is that there are things that could be done to help make the assessment criteria more understandable for students, but actually time spent working on um, a peer marking exercise or actually thinking about the assessment criteria in contact time is more valuable than that from what the students in your study said. Is that right? Yeah, 
Yeah, there were there were real desire for more contact time on skills and literacy development. Great. And so we've talked about then how you could change marking criteria, that more contact time would be great. Were there any other kind of practical insights or implications for practice that mm. you might be recommending? I think with curriculum redefined, um, people have been talking about like um, program level um, assessment, assess, um, assessment and learning outcomes, et cetera, et cetera. And I think one thing I would recommend, and I think a lot of colleagues have already been saying that they've been doing that in their curriculum redefined. Can I just call it CR from now? Yeah. <laughs> a bit of a mouthful. In their CR spring workshops, um, it's um, mapping out the different um, types of assessment at the different points where students encounter them and actually have a an overview of what what students are ex- experiencing you know their trajectory of assessment literacy development um um you know for, for the program and then actually map, mapping out the points of where um peer assessment workshops or some assessments like um, um and feedback sessions um, delivered by the program team will be useful uh, to students overall or where a more module-specific approach can be taken. You know, if there's like, uh, for example, I think uh, some modules are now using podcasting as a type of assessment and they may now be like in a common genre of assessment out there. So then some module-specific support sessions on how to um, develop your podcasting, but also what are the skills outcomes that you're assessing students and how to achieve that would be quite useful. I think otherwise, just uh, for staff to take more of an overview and awareness of where students are encounter different types of assessment and how do you actually, actually scaffold development would be quite beneficial because... Um, especially the third-year students were saying they found those discussions on um, literature reviews so valuable because they would be, you know, expecting of uh, doing one for their bigger final year project. And if they didn't take this module, because the module is actually um, um, discovery, if they didn't uh, select this module, they wouldn't have had it like a go at doing a literature review until the very high stake um a final year project and they were saying they felt really nervous about that before but because of this module they had a goal they felt like oh actually I know kind of now how I do it but then you kind of think all right where do I, you know so the last two years at least didn't really prepare you for this type of assessment until your final year project that's that is quite in a way I think in students mind that's what, what they said was they felt really overwhelmed and they also felt really um they felt at risk yeah yeah, gosh, yeah, because that really does, it is high stakes, isn't it? Your yeah. final year dissertation, it has yeah. a large yeah. Uh, yeah. kind of waiting in your in the mark yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think one student used the word terrifying. She was saying, like, it was honestly so terrifying. And yeah, I was looking at the, uh, some, I was trying to find some course the other day in my Envivo library, and I found that. It was like, it was terrifying. But then she found the discussion around the example so valuable, and then she actually achieved the first. And then she felt it must be working, that her way of writing must be working because she got us first. And now she felt like she was better. You know, she was like more ready um, against her final year project. Brilliant. And so this might be difficult to do, but if you had to pick out uh, kind of one key finding or recommendation to share with people, what would you choose? I think 
my key finding of piece of advice would be um, let's don't take student experience um, of assessment um, for granted. Um, there's a lot of like hidden curriculum assumptions out there that we need to really unpack and prepare our students for um, as staff. And some I'm really quite guilty of that myself. Um, so just speaking from my own experience, having no work at least for now into the 10th academic years, there are a lot of assumptions that we, we would or we could make of um, our students well, their final years, they would know what critical analysis look like in a literature review, right? But if they haven't, if they've never done it before, and some of the students were actually from STEM disciplines and they were taking a discovery module in arts, they never done experienced this way of being assessed. Of course, they wouldn't have developed that awareness, that understanding of what we are expecting of them. Um, and I, I know that, again, you know, um, students' different pathways and portfolios and um, discovery modules is, is, a, is another thing to to worry about. But at least I think within a, a department where people have control uh, over uh, the trajectory of their students' academic literacy or skills development, a more um, crafted approach, a more scaffolded approach would be really beneficial rather than leaving students to explore and somehow figure it out on their own. To muddle through, kind of. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. Great. So, um, slightly different kind of change in tack now. I'm wondering, is there anything that you might do differently if you were going to start your fellowship over? Mm. Um, I think now, having done it, right, I felt like I knew what I was doing. However, I spent so much time obviously not knowing what I was doing or doubting myself of what I was doing. So I think I spent too much time um, being in the low comfort, low confident zone of just uh, being very guilty of uh, imposter syndrome. <laughs> Which I think perhaps coming from a more, uh, from a practitioner background, uh, and then also obviously when I did a fellowship when I was um, based in a professional service um, setting, would be quite um, natural or could be quite common for colleagues um, who share similar experience and backgrounds. So you know I've been recently talking to again colleagues at SEC, and then I was trying to bring this part of. Um, experience to them and saying, you know, just go for it. It's fantastic support available from Light, from Emma, from Dave when he was here and from everyone. And um, just always appear there to support your ideas and to actually help you navigate the uh, the fellowship um, experience. So um, don't struggle on your own. Yeah, that's what we're here for, to support fellows along the way. So yeah, well, and I'm glad that we could do that with you. It was a pleasure working with you on this fellowship. And then I'm also curious to understand how the fellowship was for you. So did you experience any personal benefits from doing your fellowship? I think doing this fellowship and also it is my first time of doing a proper, I would consider a big piece of uh, research project um, on my own, you know. Mm -hmm. um, makes me realize how much I actually enjoy um, scholarship and I wanted to go a bit further with it. Um, 
and you know there was just an opportunity that came up at least that would um, allow this and also making making my f- scholarship and um, would have done what I have done in student education um, being recognized in in the like in a teaching and um, scholarship um, contract or a mm-hmm. role. Anyway, so I um, moved on to um, become a lecturer now, um, and scholarship is now part of my um, portfolio. And I have decided that I will keep going with assessment literacy. Um, that's what I've said to people in my interview, and that's what I promised um, what I would do in a new role. So I'm currently exploring, again, trying to find a, a slightly different angle to this topic because um, I'm in the field of like language, language assessment and language teaching, um, but also with the rise of Gen AI, um, the existence of Gen AI. Uh, we were just thinking about um, how we would develop and best support students' um, AI literacy, but also with Unfortunately, um, certain type of assessment you can now you, you can't um, students can't students are now allowed to use uh, Gen AI. So it's how we actually navigate this together with students. Yeah. Oh well, we'll look forward to hearing about the findings of your next project then when you get to that. Thank you. Space of being able to share it. Um, so Janet, it's been a pleasure to have this conversation with you today. It's been great working with you over the fellowship and seeing how it's developed and and how you've been able to share your research findings at various conferences and things like that um so thanks for coming along today and we'll look forward to seeing what comes next and thanks for having me and just thank you so so much to emma and also to everyone at light for nurturing me through my fellowship and actually beyond um i always i still feel like i'm part of light even though I'm kind of like done and gone. <laughs> always a life fellow. Yeah, always a life fellow. Excellent. Well, that's very kind of you to say. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks.